0: Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Folly or Different. And uh, to state the obvious, we are living at an extraordinary time. And we've heard from a lot of you that during this time, podcasts are actually a refuge. And so we're going to do our part. We're going to do our best to deliver the uh, the best podcasts we can, powerful conversations, And interestingly enough, we've had a lot of legendary people step up to come on the podcast to talk about various things that are going on to make a difference in this crisis. And so we're going to do that. So we're going to have special guests on and we're going to talk about this thing because I think we all want to talk about this thing at some level. And we also have a bunch of legendary guests with episodes in the can that were taped before this coronavirus sort of uh, took over everything. And um, we're going to release those episodes as well. And so, you know, our hope is that we provide you with very different conversations, dialogues that we hope that you'll find uh, stuffed with inspiration and information and some humor. Some podcast discussions that we're going to have, some dialogues we're going to have. We'll deal with this uh, situation we all find ourselves in and some won't. So we're going to try and do our part. To provide information inspiration some humor real dialogues and uh, if you will podcast through the problem and uh, so we hope you enjoy these conversations and we hope they make a difference for you as a place that you can turn during a um, completely wackadoo time and uh, we're going to do our best and as hunter s thompson famously said when the going gets weird, the weird turn professional. And so um, those of us who are different, those of us who are weird, we're going to try and turn professional, and we're going to do our part with hopefully an ongoing set of fantastic dialogues that you will enjoy. On this episode, my dear friend, a guy that I've gotten to know very well, legendary security guru, Morgan Wright. And uh, the, you know, the first thing I want you to know, having gotten to know Morgan personally, originally having met him on the podcast he's been on multiple times this is a security guru and a law enforcement expert with a gigantic heart morgan has had a distinguished career in law enforcement he's also an entrepreneur and advisor today to technology uh cybersecurity startups he's an internationally recognized expert in cybersecurity cyber terrorism privacy and more his landmark testimony before congress on healthcare.gov changed how the government collects personally identifiable information. He's made uh, countless appearances uh, in the media. He's a regular on Fox News and uh, TheHill.com and many other places. You've probably seen him on TV. He was the uh, senior advisor to the U.S. State Department on anti-terrorism and the anti-terrorism assistance program, a senior law enforcement advisor for the Republican National Convention and more. He's a legendary, caring, insightful, fun and funny guy. On this episode, we talk all things security, how to deal with fear, scams and self-defense and why Morgan thinks um, it's a time to be optimistic and to keep calm and carry on. This is a fantastic dialogue. And of course, when you get me and Morgan together, there's going to be a little uh, at least a little ADHD theater (laughs) there is in this conversation. I think you're going to love it. We're sponsored by our good friends at Oracle NetSuite. In challenging times, it's critical to have real up to the minute facts and information about your business, the visibility and control that matters more than ever now. And that's where my friends at NetSuite come in. NetSuite is number one in cloud ERP. NetSuite is the unified business suite for managing everything about your business ERP, financials, CRM, e commerce, and more. NetSuite is trusted by over 20,000 organizations around the world. And with NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business. To schedule your free product tour and receive your free guide, The Seven Strategies to Grow Your Profits, visit netsuite.com slash different today. That's netsuite.com slash different. And my friends at Splunk are the global leaders in data to everything, D to E. And Splunk helps bring data to every question, every decision, and every action. And uh, you might not know, organizations around the globe rely on Splunk to modernize and strengthen their cybersecurity defenses. Splunk is used by some of the world's most sophisticated organizations to monitor, detect, respond, and resolve digital security threats. Visit Splunk.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. That's D, the number 2E, and learn how to protect your business and turn data into doing at Splunk. .com/d2e. Also encourage you to go to lochhead.com. You can check out the show notes for this episode, learn more about the legendary Morgan Wright and how to track him down. Now, hey ho, let's go.
1: You see the smoke coming up out of the Pentagon. I walked across the bridge into Rosalind, Virginia, and I could see the smoke coming up. Took five hours for phones to be able to unclog enough to where I could actually call home. The cell circuits were all jammed up. Finally got to a landline, called my wife. You know, nobody had an idea what was going on, but a lot of us, like you, took that oath and said, look, man, after 9-11, I like what, Al, I like what Dennis Miller said one time, because he used to be pretty liberal. You know, he used to be kind of, you know, whatever, you know, you know, I'm a free thinker, you know, hey, I'm a liberal, I'm a Dem. He says, look, I'm sorry, after 9-11, there are no Alkindas anymore, you know? And he says, you got you to gotta pick a side, folks, you got to pick a side. And one of those things is the thing you talked about, the term sheepdog, a lot of people don't realize... Where that term really came from, it's more than just a sheepdog that protected the flock, but there is a great essay. If you go uh, search for sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, guy who's written some excellent books and theory about warfare and the mindset, and he talks about in every society, there's three kinds of people. There are sheep, there are wolves, and there are sheepdogs. And if you're a sheep, that's okay, but just recognize you're a sheep. But if you're a sheepdog, you know, you're right. That's, that's the only thing that stands between the sheep and the wolf is the sheepdog. And less than 1% of the population in the United States, whether it's the military, first responders, firefighters, you know, people like you, martial artists, less than 1% of the people in the United States have said, I, I will stand up, I'll be that sheepdog. And you know what that means? It means out of every 100 people, there's only one person in that room who's really decided to take an oath and said, yeah, who will go? Well, I will. Call me. Very few people do that.
0: And do you think in, if you think maybe back to nine eleven or other examples in your career, do you think in times of crisis, we see more people emerge as sheepdogs or do you think uh, less or how, how do you think about it?
1: No, I think uh, very much uh, just like on the plane, you know, let's roll. The guy's name was Todd. I think people, when the, when the situation comes up, people who have never been, you know, you got people in sales, you've got people in uh, certain different areas, you know, they might be in technology or whatever. But inside, if there's a sheepdog in there, when a situation comes up, I think those people will say, look, you know, and the, the Lord said, who will go for me? And I said, you know, pick me, I'll go. Basically, you know, the, the verse from the Bible, I didn't get it quite right. But I think there's a lot of people that when the moment comes, they raise their hand and says, I'll go. Even though they've never been trained to do it, yeah. Even though they, this is not what they do, and I think it's we've gotten a different perspective, especially after nine eleven. Look, I got to tell you too. You know, obviously we had you had great interviews with Steve Murphy and Javier Pena, you know, and I went to Columbia seven.
0: Thank you dude. so much oh, for dude, setting, I'm setting you, that up. It was I'm incredible. Still,
1: I still get goosebumps, you know, listening to those guys. But I went to Columbia seven years after Murph and uh, Javier had been there and looked at the things that they did, you know, the impact that they had. Because this actually gets into the conversation we want to have is like nobody, nobody really understood what it was like to have hundreds of bombings a week killing all of these people. Nobody had ever been through that before. And when I was there in in, in Colombia when we went in 2000, early 2001, it, it was a completely different country. I didn't, you know, people said things changed, you know. They will never go back. Then we had nine eleven. Nobody had ever been through that before. Things changed. Then in our area, we had the anthrax attacks. Nobody ever been through that. Then we had the DC sniper. Nobody had ever been through something like that. Then you had Hurricane Katrina. New Orleans completely flooded. Nobody, you know, no city had ever been through something like that. We keep on finding things. Sandy, Sandy Hook. Right? We'd never been through things like that. Virginia.
0: Oh, Sandy Hook, and then and Hurricane, Hurricane Sandy. Sandy yeah. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, and
1: then you got Virginia Tech. You know, and then you have things like that. We had never, then you had Las Vegas. And so we constantly are challenged with things that we, just when we think we've been tested, nature has its own way of testing you again. You you, you cannot control what happens to you. I just got through reading the book. I don't know if you've read it, but it's called uh, Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life, Gary John Bishop. <laughs>
0: sounds like a book i should have written
1: my book would be unfuck well, myself well <laughs> and but he's here's a good scottish guy you know and he just his attitude around the life but it's like but i like what he says in the title of my blog i'm writing for a friend of mine it's called expect nothing except everything when you expect nothing you're living in the moment you're not worried about the future or rejecting the past you're simply embracing your situation as it comes and i think those are the times we're in now we've got too many people Wanting to panic, want to do a lot of, as opposed to accept the situation, expect nothing, accept your current reality and deal with it. I just got through posting on Facebook and it's uh, it's the old uh, poster from World War Two and the British. Look, keep calm and carry on. Spread the word, not the virus. You know, just keep calm and carry on. No amount of panic will change your outcome. No, in fact, panic will actually make it worse. So accept your current reality, deal with what's in front of you, and deal with today. You, d- you can't do anything about tomorrow, uh, or you can't do anything about yesterday. Tomorrow has yet to be written. You, but you've got we've got too many people worrying too far into the future as opposed to, what can I do today? So I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who said, do what you can where you are with what you have. And, and I think if we get more people into that mindset, we'll get through this in a much better way than we have if... <laughs> I loved one. I can't think it was MASH or something else, but there was some military show, and it's they come in. He says, yeah, everybody has a job. You take care of logistics. You take care of the Army. You panic. Everybody has a job. You know, he had panic taken care of. You know, I got (laughs) it's all covered. Don't worry. I got somebody to panic for us.
0: Every every family has at least one panicker in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a prepper and there's a panicker. You know, maybe they're the same person. But uh, yeah, I just think, you know, and I'm out here in the northern Virginia area, the national capital region. I mean, obviously, the wheels of government are out here, lots of things. I've been working out of my house since 2004. It is not a big change for me, but Christopher, and you know this too. You think about all these technology companies, it's the equivalent of a neutron bomb. In other words, the buildings are still standing, the streets are still standing, nothing has been effective, but overnight, they've had to transition to a 100% virtual workforce. No business continuity plan had ever planned for that. They said, well, if a building goes out, we'll do this, you know, and if this happens, we'll go here, you know, or if a storm comes through, that's okay. Who Think about a company of 50, 500, 5,000, 50,000 overnight. Now they've got to transition to a completely virtual workforce.
0: It's radical. Uh, We've never seen anything like it. And this is something I think is not getting talked about, which is, hey, um, the internet is an essential service. And by the way, And I know that I get criticized for being overly laudatory towards Silicon Valley, and I'm not discounting some of the problems in Silicon Valley, but let's shake, give our heads a shake. The technology industry, which is largely centered in Silicon Valley, has done an amazing job and the thing the other thing that doesn't get talked about is of course the government created the internet right so you have this incredible private public partnership where there's this technology that gets created and then released and then all this innovation comes on top of it and we're sitting here today and one of the things that we can all hold on to is the relative high availability of the internet
1: well interesting you mentioned that a lot of people say the government invented it actually it was not Al Gore Um, but 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 it's the story behind the reason for the invention of the internet, which is during the Cold War, our number one enemy was the Soviet Union. The biggest thing we were worried about was the Soviet Union was a first strike capability that they had. And if you remember our telephone system at that time, it was all copper wire. If you hit one or two places in the US, especially in the Nebraska area, it takes out your entire communication system. So the thing was, they said, how do we create a, and the original reason for the internet, um, you know, the DARPA, DARPAnet, its only primary reason was to survive a first strike nuclear attack from the Soviet Union. But to your point, we had some smart people start going, wow, what else could we do with this? And then you start building out from that. And now you had the internet. Then you've got Tim Berners-Lee that comes along that says, well, what if we put an application on top of the internet? and We called it the World Wide Web. And now you've found a way to operationalize the internet. And by the way, a quick uh, point of... uh digression as we're prone to do here. Really? Uh, the first transaction on... The... You're, you're <laughs> no, my no, favorite ADHD, ADHD yeah.
0: law enforcement security <laughs> guru.
1: <laughs> you're ADHD. I'm your only... Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're my number... You're the number one ADHD security expert in my world.
1: Yeah. As I say, it doesn't hurt to be number one, but it doesn't hurt when you're the only one. But uh, so the first transaction on the World Wide Web was done on a next computer built by Steve Jobs, and it was done on Mac HTTP server written... By a buddy of mine over here in Leesburg, Virginia, by the name of Chuck Shotton.
0: Way to go, Chuck. Way to go, Chuck. So, look, let me cut to the chase of the, the question I'm dying to ask you. How freaked out should we be?
1: I go back to the movie The Bridge of Spies. And Tom Hanks played the character in there. And it was the uh, Russian colonel, uh, a spy that was caught. And he says, aren't you worried? And the guy just simply looks at him and says, would it help? No, it doesn't help to be. I mean... I agree with Dr. Fauci, who talked about, I would rather have people overreact than underreact, but we can have a controlled overreaction. In other words, I don't have to go screaming down the street, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. But what I can do is take extra precautions. Keep your physical distance, you know. But we guys, we're going to get through this. There is nothing that has ever been thrown at the human race and at the United States that we have not gotten through. We thought 9-11 was tough. We got through it. We thought the anthrax attacks were tough. We got through it. We thought mass shootings were tough. We got through these things. We will get through these things. Can anybody predict where it will happen? They're all liars. If somebody says, well, we'll be out of this in a month or two months, nobody knows. But here's what I do know. The more that we just keep calm and carry on, we figure out what can I do with what I have, where I'm at. Right? Go back to what I said earlier. It's just that um, it's really, you're simply embracing your situation as it comes. I just work on this day to day. I'm staying busy. I I look at it this way. I almost take, uh, you interviewed Jocko Willink, and I almost take his extreme leadership. Hey, we're at home. Great. I've got more time to work on this. Somebody griped about, well, my marathon got pushed. Great. I've got more time to train now. I've got more time to better my nutrition. Folks, you can make out of it, you can make shit or you can make shinola, you know, or you can make, you know, a happy sandwich you know, we're all dealt the same hand. The difference between the the folks that are going to come out of this with new ideas and more revitalized is simply realizing, again, expect nothing, accept everything. All I've done is just simply say, it's not fatalistic. I've just, uh, you know, again, it goes back to being an old cop too. I just look, I can't change it. So what do I do? I accept it for what it is. I deal with it. Um, and the other thing I do too is, um, I don't do this hero bullshit. Ah, you know, no, we're fine. We're going to be okay. We we were going to go see our kids, my own kids. And we decided we're just not going to do that. You know, we're going to stay back. Why? Because, guys, this is this is what you're supposed to do. Imagine World War II and nobody showed up the day after Pearl Harbor was bombed to sign up for the military and say, I want to enlist. This is your time. This is if not now, when? And if not us, who?
0: We're all enlisted now, right? Yes, we are. We're all enlisted now. And so uh, I think, you know, so many security related things on my mind, how much concern do you have? Let's call it for physical security. Uh, You know, you and I were texting about how the police commissioner in Philadelphia essentially published a list of crimes that they're not going to go after you for anymore. And I I found it shocking. I don't have any law enforcement experience, but are, are we... Are we seeing police forces saying, hey, w- w- we're not going to be able to keep the peace here?
1: I don't want to paint a fatalistic picture. I've got some friends currently still in law enforcement. In fact, one of them is on Philly PD. And, uh, you know, we exchanged some messages and stuff. It's like it, this kind of stuff doesn't help. It doesn't mean people in Philadelphia. It doesn't mean you won't be charged with it. It just all they're going to do is just cite and release. But why invite the problems in the first place? What you want to do is you don't want to create the invitation to commit crime. You want to dissuade people from doing it. So I think... I, I don't know. It's one of the things. Do I think that there'll be a change in how crime is committed? Yeah, I think that we're going to see. I think one thing you're going to see, obviously, drop are robberies, are burglaries, because everybody's at home now. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't still have some home invasion burglaries or something. But think about all these sexual assaults that happen because somebody might be walking, uh, you know, home from the metro or something else. Nobody's there. So you're going to see a decrease in a lot of crimes right now. So that means from a displacement standpoint, where might those things go? Those people who still need to rob and still need to do stuff. I think as, and again, I can't predict this. All I'm thinking is, okay, what would I, you know, if I was these guys, what am I going to do? I'm going to be left with no choice pretty soon. If that's the only way I make my living is by stealing stuff, you know, and robbing people, I'm eventually going to have to go to where the people are. And that means going to their homes. And if you are not prepared to defend your castle, if you're not prepared to defend your homes... There are going to be people out there who it's like, think about uh, the Donner party, you know, up on the pass. You say, I'll never eat another human being. <laughs> I used thing. to
0: live in Truckee, California. I'm very familiar with the Donner story.
1: Yeah. After a while, though, when you get hungry enough, everything starts looking like chicken.
0: Easy. I, lo- I love my hands. Easy there, handsome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Everything looks like uh, uh, hot dogs. Everything looks like hamburgers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, look, with all seriousness, uh, do you expect lawlessness? And, uh, well, let me shut up there.
1: I don't know. I'm looking around right now because I'm, I'm tracking it, you know, for a variety of reasons for what I do with Fox and, you know, and what I do with some of my friends who've got law enforcement technology companies. I don't see that yet. Um, but what I see are things that might be precipitate an oncoming wave of something like this. In other words, we haven't had enough time yet to see – what will this displacement do? There used to be a theory about dealing with gangs, which is if you want to deal with a gang, you can't get rid of a gang. But if you focus hard enough uh, on the enforcement and in the crackdown, you will displace them. In other words, you make them somebody else's problem. And so what happens is you don't solve the gang problem. It's not solving it, but it's simply it becomes somebody else's problem. I think that's what will happen is I think it will become somebody else's problem places where uh, burglaries happen, robberies happen, car thefts happen, you know, you're going to see an increase in certain amount of crimes because the concentration of vehicles being at home is going to be there, but you're going to see a decrease in certain amount of crimes because people are not in public places anymore. There's going to be fewer shootings, fewer stabbings. Challenges. I don't want to be one of those guys who go, well, I predict this is going to happen. All I'm going to say is that you have to be prepared is that when things aren't as they are anymore, when the the same types of crimes that are committed because people were in places, property was in places, are not there anymore, that's going to displace where crime takes place. So it mean it may mean less crime, but it may be more concentrated in like areas where there's apartments because you can go hit four, five, six, seven apartments at one time. You know, it could be. Uh, Vehicles, more vehicles are at home, so I might have the opportunity to break into them because now they're not being driven anywhere. Uh, car lots may find cars missing that they don't, can't account for because they were stolen four days ago because nobody's counting the cars because they don't have any customers. I mean, I don't know. There could be a variety of things, but again, it's one of those things is keeping your head on a swivel, not being paranoid, but simply taking things as they come, but asking questions. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is somebody at my door? Why do I see somebody walk in the neighborhood when they should be in their home? So we're gonna see different types of suspicious activity. Things that would not not have been suspicious a week ago now become suspicious when you're the only guy rattling doors at two o'clock in the morning or you know, 10 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning. Um, you're the only guy out. Well, why are you the only guy out? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. All I know is that, we will see a change. And actually, what will come out of this, I think we will see a change in the types of crimes that are committed and patterns of crime and, and uh, uh, how you deal with crime. But I don't agree with the Philly Police Committee. You could, have solved, you could have done the same thing by just simply sending an internal memo to people say, look, for right now, cite and release. Just keep it between us you know, friends here. But to go public and say, well, if you commit these crimes, we're not going to arrest you. We're going to cite and release. The point is you don't want them committing the crimes in the first place so that you have to cite and release. Let's not invite crime because these guys know uh, and knowing the minds of the criminals, they're going to look at it as a free pass. Well, hey, I can go out and I can go out and steal a bunch of stuff. And the worst thing that's going to happen. That's how
0: I read it. It was like, holy shit. Yeah. You just told them that you gave them the list of things to go do. You gave them the to do list.
1: I mean, people, people are creatures of habit. If you tell me I can do X, I'm going to go do X. You know, there is, Here's the thing is, the consequence is so delayed that it's not a deterrent right now. Well, we're going to cite and release. That's not a deterrent. For 95% of the criminal element out there, you don't get deterred from running stop signs really until the time you run a stop sign, you get pulled over and you get a $1,000 ticket. You know, Chris Rock actually had a great, we well, had a great bit, but it was how to deter drive-by shootings. He said, make bullets $5,000 a piece, you know? You get really selective about what you do when bullets are $5,000 a piece. When the punishment and the consequence is not in close proximity to the uh, perpetration of the offense that creates the consequence, people get amnesia. Nobody cares. If you tell me, uh, if you get caught speeding today, I'm going to send you a ticket in the mail six months from now. Ah, who cares? You know?
0: I think I I just got caught speeding. I I think it showed up (laughs) (laughs) four or five days.
1: (laughs) Uh, but see, but speed cameras are more of a revenue mechanism than they are a deterrence mechanism. No,
0: this was a good old fashioned uh, cop trap. Oh, you got? Now, of course, they were using your cameras, but there was two cops. Yeah. And actually, this is a digression, but the two of them took me down. And it's the first time I can remember being pulled over by two cops. Well, what's that about?
1: Cause you're a danger, you're the most dangerous man on the internet.
0: <laughs> they didn't recognize me for fuck's sakes.
1: Well, when you said, do you know who I am? I have a top 30 rated podcast. I'm a higher than Oprah. No, <laughs> which hey, by the way you hey, are.
0: We recently, char- we recently charted number one on business and uh, we hit 17 on the 200.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, see, well, you know what it was. It's ridiculous. But let me tell you what it may be too, is that in this time too, even you got to remember for police officers. Now, were they on motors, uh, motorcycles or were they in squad cars?
0: No, they were in um, uh, Ford SUVs and it was a guy and a gal and the guy pulled me over and the gal was hanging in the back. You know and what it, she sat there for uh, until he had written me up.
1: But you know what it could be too is a lot of times if you're going through training and stuff, that's the way it happens if you're learning to run radar and stuff. And the other thing too is it may be a what they call selective enforcement. They might have had a problem in that area. And they decided that they're going to dedicate officers to that. So if, if one officer is there and they've got you pulled over, the other officer is going to come in as backup. So I think that was just what they call selective or special enforcement.
0: Yeah. I I think I was being, um, you know, profiled.
1: Yeah. Profiled with a small P because you're a, you're the, you're the most dangerous man on the internet.
0: Apparently. So what do you think uh, the average person, if I said to you, Hey, how do I stay safe? And secure. So forget the things I need to do to to yep. stay safe from a getting the virus perspective. We, I think hopefully we all understand that. And there's new information coming out pretty pretty yep. regularly as they learn things. But more from a personal and family and neighborhood safety and security point of view.
1: I uh, you know, do the basics like they talk about with the hand washing and stuff. Do the basics. Lock your doors, make sure your garage door is shut. Um, don't leave valuables outside. Lock your vehicles. Take your valuables out of your vehicle, and don't leave your laptop. You would not believe the number of auto burglaries in the area that I'm at, to where people did stupid shit like leave their weapon in their vehicle. You d- you just don't do that. So
0: don't don't leave your weapon in your vehicle. Don't leave your weapon. That in your- that might be rule number one.
1: That's rule number one, because without a gun, you can't have a gunfight. So, you know, let's not dis let's not voluntarily disarm ourselves. So but just take your valuables inside, lock your vehicle. Um, one of the things I did, and it was after kind of a series of burglaries around here, I installed uh, I've got uh, ring security cameras. I mean, I've got those set up to where um I've got a couple in the house and I have three outside the house. So I have my whole perimeter covered. I'm not paranoid, but you know, the but the fun part too is I've noticed <laughs> the other morning we had three deer in our front yard. One of them was eating out of my bird feeder. We've got foxes. But on the other hand though, too, the, the, the deterrent is, is that that light comes on and it lets somebody know you come onto my property. It's being monitored. I, I'm not saying go out and buy security cameras, but I'm saying that's something I chose to do So because I can't see all the time and I can't see everything all the time. And look, it's just be be um, verify, then trust. You know, R- Reagan used to say when he was talking about the Soviets and nuclear disarmament, trust, but verify. Now, in this day and age, it's verify, then trust. Somebody comes to your door, you don't have to open that door. You might even think about keeping your glass door locked. And I'm not saying that's a matter of being paranoid. I'm saying so.
0: so let me h- slow you down, there, handsome. Yeah. So if your doorbell somebody rings your doorbell today, you think maybe I don't answer that doorbell? Maybe I talk to him first.
1: You know, and you 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 can't see it because we're just going to do an audio podcast. But I've got the ring doorbell, so it's going to pop up, and I can see who's there. You know, first because my thought is, in fact, it would be right now. Is if we're supposed to be doing social distancing or physical distancing. I don't want to say social distancing because we all have Maslow's hierarchy needs. We all need human contact. But my theory would be right now, this context now is different. If somebody comes and rings my doorbell, my thought is, what are you doing out of my neighborhood and why are you trying to get close to me? You know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, it would be like I'd walk up to the door. Amazon, right? it could be
0: Amazon, right? It could be the grocery store. It could be- If it is, th-
1: then leave my package on the front step and I'll get it. It's no big deal. You know, I'll, I'll go out and get it. But I, but with the camera, I've got the ability to look out there and say, oh, I see it's that, you know, I keep, we, I live in a cul-de-sac. We've got great neighbors. I basically know after being here for 20 years, I know everybody and everything. And it's like, when something's out of place, we know it. So it's having that familiarity, but yeah, it's like,
0: so don't answer your door.
1: I don't want to say don't answer your door, but just be, but think about a different mindset. When you go to answer your doors, your first question would be is. If you're in California, which, by the way, I just got off of a call with some folks that I work with that are based right out of uh, Sacramento, the governor just issued a stay at home order. Right. So if somebody's knocking at your door, it either better be the police, the fire department, EMS, um, you know, but anybody else besides that, I'm going to be going, what are you doing at my door? And it causes me to think differently about what's the motivation to the person on the other side of the door. Before it's like, I'm uh, getting hit up by window people, by people doing pest services, lawn services. But now it's like, what are you doing here? And I go back to don't, I don't wanna be paranoid, but if somebody's at my door now, and if you're supposed to be at home and not out doing stuff, my first thought is, what's my physical safety? Um, you know, uh, Am I prepared to deal with something? Should somebody come through that door? Again, it goes back to desperate times, create desperate measures some people who have been used to breaking into homes and or stealing stuff may decide that their only option is to go bold and just come in through your front door. It's happened, you know, and I'm not saying don't be paranoid, don't think that, but if you're not thinking, why is somebody knocking on my door at two o'clock in the afternoon when everybody in California is supposed to be at home right now, you've just ceded the advantage to the bad guy.
0: So super vigilant about, uh, our surroundings and our our nest, <laughs> Yeah, look, <laughs> whatever our home whatever our home is.
1: Remember, the context has changed. It is no longer the world we lived in a month ago, and people are not doing the same things they did a month ago. So again, it goes back to the situation. You're simply, you're embracing your situation as it comes. I didn't create the situation, but in the context of the current situation, if somebody rings my doorbell, it better be my neighbor saying, you know, somebody's having a heart attack or it better be the police fire EMS because anything short of that, then my 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 red flags go up. And the other thing I'm going to do personally myself is uh, uh, I'm not going to go uh, to the front door unarmed. Wow.
0: So you're, I want to make sure I understood what you said. You open the door packing heat.
1: They don't know that. People fear what they can't see. I don't, I, you know, my advantage is it goes back to the theory there's people who carry open and there's people who carry concealed. I've always said carry concealed, do not carry open. If you're just an open carrier because you just want everybody to look at you and say how cool you are, you're the first target when some, a shooter actually comes in the, the the restaurant or the hotel or whatever it is you're at. So my theory is, is that I want them to not, I want them to think that I'm a sheep, not a sheepdog. I want them to worry about who I might be. I want to create that seat of doubt in their mind, because that gives me the advantage that I make them react to me, I'm not reacting to them.
0: And so uh, now, of course, you have a, um, a a legendary career in law enforcement, and um, uh-huh. you have, as a result, um, you have the ability to conceal carry in every state. Is that right?
1: Yes, sir. House Resolution 218, the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act.
0: And so Pre this situation, when the world was the way that it was, plus or minus a month ago, how often did you conceal carry or did you?
1: Uh, See, again, fear. uh, You fear what you cannot see. So I can neither confirm nor deny. But let's put it this way. I would never be in a position to where I didn't provide myself all the available tools to defend myself.
0: Got it. So this isn't necessarily a change in behavior for you. <laughs> That's no,
1: and, and you know, you hit upon a key um, thing. It's not a change in behavior, but it is a change in context. In other words, I view your action right. in a different context today than I did a month ago. Somebody comes up to my door and knocks a month ago. I'm thinking Girl Scouts, great. You know, what? and I buy way too many girls. Do, do not come by my house if you're a Girl Scout. I will throw you off my step because you shouldn't be out and about anyway. But I buy too many Girl Scout cookies and too many stuff from kids at high school. But this is a month later. Um, some of our fa- I started a thread every day on Facebook. What I'm posting now is support your local biz. I highlight, I call out a couple of local businesses in my area, and I say, I will be patronizing these folks. In fact, I'm going to go eat at the Wicked Door Pub. We're going to go do a call-in, pick up food and a bottle of wine from them tonight because I want to support my local business because we just, you know, you can't – the context has changed i would not have done that a month ago but that's but guess what but i accept what it is and i deal with what it is i can't wish you know i wish it were different well it's not you know this is the way it is so you're right to the point my behaviors don't change but the context in which i apply my behaviors has absolutely changed from 30 days ago
0: yeah no no doubt now, the other area I wanted to touch on with you, Morgan, is is in the whole, in the technology realm and, and scams. Yep. And I've already got some scam emails and people trying to profit off this thing. There was some email I got about, you know, how digital marketers can profit off the code. I mean, it was, the language was pretty much that.
1: I saw that screenshot you put up of it. That's slimy.
0: Yeah, I posted it. And so what what do we need to know, whether it's around cyber attacks or scammers or things along these lines?
1: So um, I did a segment for uh, Fox News and Fox Business, and I wrote a blog post uh, for Sentinel One. And one of the things I talked about is defending against the psychology of fear, uncertainty and doubt, because these are anxious times. And in anxious times, people want some kind of reassurance. And so when information comes in, in other words, if I sent you an email that says, hey, Christopher, uh, 30% off your next order of dog food, or hey, Christopher, urgent, you have been in contact with a known coronavirus patient, you're more likely to open up the second one because it creates fear, fear of loss, it creates uncertainty, it creates doubt, and I'm now preying upon your emotions. And so you, we, uh, we've we seen globally an increase in those types of things, messages that purport to be coming from the Ministry of Health, like in Canada, there was a health information uh, email that went out from canada um that actually there was banking malware that's what was the link in it you click on it it inserts malware into this folks here here's a quick clue if you're in the united states i know you have a global audience because you are a top-rated podcaster and rank higher than oprah and uh number one on the business side <laughs> but i got a
0: fleeting t- moment doesn't very, matter very fleeting but it was a great moment
1: Doesn't matter, baby. But here's the thing is, if you are in a country that has a Department of Revenue, an Internal Revenue Service, you know, the taxation department, I guarantee, hear me now, believe me later, as the, as the Terminator says, Arnold says, the Governator, they do not have the time to personally call each and every one of you and say, hey, call in because we're going to suspend your social security number, all of this. All of these things are scams. And let me tell you this. Here's Morgan's rule of life. Ignore it or delete it three times, especially if it's a mail from your boss email from your boss. If you delete it three times, if it does, I, most of these things do not come back after the first time. Very few come back after the second time. If they come back after the third time, it's truly important. Use the rule of threes. Delete it three times or ignore it three times.
0: And the IRS does not call your home and threaten your bank accounts no. and turn, to turn off your social security card and shit like that, But,
1: right? but what they do is through <laughs> manipulation, influence, and deceit, they get you to believe, they get you to To fall for the sense of urgency is that, Christopher, I'm about to shut your lights off. You've got to pay your bill. You missed your bill. So we're the phone company or the telephone or the light company, the power company. So you've got to link, click this link and pay your bill. That's all pure bullshit. And what these guys are doing, it's like what's happening right now. They're using COVID-19 and the threat of the disease and the virus to get you to take action and whether it's a bank scam or whether it's click on a link or what we're seeing now too is uh, there's another aspect, it's called business email compromise. It involves absolutely no links, you don't click on malware, but it gets you to take an action because you believe the person sending the email is a person in a position of, of authority over you. In other words, like the CEO of your company Or the chief of your department saying, hey, Christopher, we're behind, we've got to pay this person, so I need you to cut a a PO real quick, transfer money from here, and send it to here. In fact, the biggest scam ever done so far that's been recorded was in the Southern District of New York. A company had a third party handling all their payments for them. Well, these scammers figured out, I don't need to go to the company. I go to the third party pretending to be the CFO from the company said, hey, we just changed our banks. Here's the new bank and routing information. And in one week, they had diverted ninety five million dollars. From that company. Ouch. Now, the good news is they recovered about ninety-three million dollars of it and they were able to find and arrest a husband and wife team out of Romania that perpetrated the scam. But here's the thing they did it without a single link. They did it without firing a shot. They did it through manipulation, influence, and deceit. And so they used the sense of urgency as I'm the boss, we've got to change this right now. I'm the you know, CFO, change our banking, gotta do it right now. So all of these scams rely upon fear, uncertainty, and doubt. They prey upon your fears. They, want, they, they instill this false sense of urgency. Uh, they make you doubt the information you previously received, and they get you to take action on it. The best thing you can do, and I'm telling you right now, only listen to trusted sources. Go to cdc.gov. If it doesn't end in a .gov and you're getting your information from somewhere else, Folks, go back to cdc.gov It's around the coronavirus, let's say. DHS.gov, you know, um, look at your you need to search and find out authoritative sources of information. Now, I don't I don't subscribe listening to the news day in and day out because it'll just make you freaking depressed and drink a bunch of alcohol, which the alcohol is fine, but just don't do it while you're depressed. But you've got to, you've got to identify a set of known and trusted resources and go to them for your information. Everything else. Put the blinders on, ignore it. That it means me. That means other people.
0: I don't know. I I can't, Morgan. I got to tell you, I don't know if I'd say I'm a news junkie, but, but I gen, you know, even as mm-hmm. a kid, I would pay attention to politics. You know, I watch the news every day. I I subscribe to multiple sites and and so forth and so on. And right now, it's
1: what's your uh, level of anxiety? I, I, well, let me I, ask you this: by listening to all of that, what's your level of anxiety? Today, as compared to 30 days ago.
0: Oh, well, sure. It's fucking
1: higher. It has to be. And has anything changed? I mean, is there anything you can do about it?
0: Well, of course not. I'm well, I mean I can do the things that I can do, you can do right your part. so I'm trying to do all the But can you stop I'm this? trying to be part of the solution.
1: Right, but but you're not the government. But I can't stop the virus. Right, you can't stop no. it. And that's what I'm saying, this is and so what they do is that look, you're you're smarter than the average bear because you've been around this technology enough. You've seen it happen, but there's a lot of people and I'm not saying they're not smart. I'm saying they have not been exposed to these kind of scams, these kinds of things. And so as you get older, you get more susceptible to believing what somebody sends you because they say it like it's a fact and it is not a fact.
0: Right. They pretend to be a doctor or a government official or something along or, you know, law enforcement. That's, but law enforcement doesn't call your house and no. say, we have your nephew. And if you don't pay us 10 grand, we're not letting him out. That, that, no. that doesn't happen.
1: No, it doesn't. And normally what happens is the nephew calls you, but that's the thing. It's that's another scam. It's called the grandma scam. Somebody calls up and goes, hi, grandma, it's me. And the first thing they do is they volunteer the name. Christopher, is that you? You've just given them the name of the person. Best thing to do is who's this? You know, well, it's me, grandma. Well, who's me? See, nobody ever asks the obvious question. Well, who's me? Uh, uh, well, give me a name. And even if they might guess the name, you simply ask them a question. What's the name of my pet? Uh, uh. You know, it, it doesn't take much to pierce through this, but the way they hook you is that immediate sense of urgency. You're about to die. covid nineteen's in your neighborhood. You're going to die unless you buy this stuff. We've got fake products out there. We've got fake websites. In fact, uh, in the blog that uh, I just did for Sentinel One, we went through the last seven days and looked how many new sites have been created just based upon COVID, COVID-19, coronavirus. Dude, In the last seven days alone, there have been over 10,000 sites registered, domains registered that have some variation of COVID, corona, you know, something in them. And all of these people are going to be attempting, maybe some of them are legit, but all of them are going to be attempting to say, you're going to look at the first part of the URL and it's going to say coronavirus. And you're going to be, oh, it's got to be legitimate. It is not. Ignore it. Ignore 99% of the stuff that's out there.
0: Rub this elixir <laughs> on your tummy and you'll be <laughs> you'll be immune. Oh, yeah. We're going to get a lot of that, right? A ton of it. Already getting
1: it there. You got people saying uh, I've already gotten three or four emails to hit my junk folder, but I'll read them coming from China. Say, oh, we can get you masks. We can get you respirators. No, you can't. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, folks. You can't you can't go out. Yeah. You can't go out to Costco and buy a covid-19 test. doesn't work that way. But yet people are. Because people are so anxious, they want a resolution to their anxiety. And I'll give you the corollary to this. It works the same when you do, I used to teach behavior analysis interviewing. I actually taught out at the National Cryptologic School at the NSA. I've taught the FBI, Secret Service. When you are interviewing somebody, there's the interview and then there's the interrogation. The interview is a you talk, I listen, but I'm collecting all these data points on you, maybe possible motivations. But when I come in to interrogate you, my entire job is to create and make you manifest so much anxiety internally that the only way to deal with that anxiety and get rid of it is to tell the truth. And I, you just don't do this to everybody, but the way you got to do it, the only way to get rid of that anxiety is to take an action. And I don't let you take that action until the proper amount of anxiety has been created. And then you want to get rid of it. You know, I had one guy said, I'm talking with him about a bunch of bank robberies and burglaries. I say, And I didn't know he'd committed bank robberies yet, but I simply said, don't you have this knot in your stomach? Don't you feel like, you you don't sleep at night, do you? He goes, no. I said, do you want to get rid of that knot? I said, you got to tell me everything else. And then he goes, you mean the bank robberies? And of course I shit my pants, but I didn't look like I shit my pants. And I said, of course. And we got admissions for five more bank robberies out of the guy, all because I asked a follow-up question, but he had that anxiety. And this is exactly these scammers, nation state actors, the Russians, the Chinese, all of these folks are expert at manipulating your emotions, so that you take an action using fear, uncertainty, and doubt.
0: And so how do I calm my ass down? One is I limit my consumption of of news. Uh, What else do I do to keep myself uh, grounded here?
1: If you want, I'll tell you, um, I'm actually getting ready to do a webinar for Center for Digital Government. One of these companies, I think they're called called, Code Red. It's called OnSoft. City of Boston has actually put out official information that says you can text BOS for Boston. BOS COVID did this very short code. And on a daily basis, the city of Boston and emergency management will send you an update. They'll text you an update about what's really going on. Here's what's really happening. So now you can get it from an, they had 40,000 people subscribe in just like 24 hours. So it comes from an authoritative source. Get your information from authoritative sources. There's too many conspiracy theorists out there. I had somebody send me a link that said, "Look what was just posted on Facebook." First of all, it's like from this 80s, but this guy is saying the state of Oklahoma has just passed mandatory vaccination laws, and the government. I assure you that you can tell when somebody's lying because they go, "I assure you, I've talked to sources. I know this." No, you don't. How do you know? What's your proof? So people. People hear this echo chamber, and if you're already predisposed to believe in it, you're going to do it. But folks, just step back, take a breath, and remember, we're not storming the beaches at Normandy here. Take a breath, get uh, information from authoritative sources, and I'm not telling you not uh, to—people can make their own decisions, but I'm saying if you watch too much news— you actually set yourself up to believing the scam email that's going to come in next because it's going to create so much anxiety and so much fear. Your only way to get rid of that is to fall victim to the, the thing that says I can solve your problem for you. And here's how.
0: Now I would be remiss if we <laughs> didn't touch on. So I like all that. Thank you. Um, stay Fonzie is how I translate all of that. It's like, stay hey, cool. that's right. Just stay Fonzie. Yep. Freaking out rarely ever helped, right? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, um, The prepper in me wants to ask you, okay, so, uh, you know, you're prepared, you're a prepper. And so what are the things from a uh, prepper point of view, you know, you think I should have and and, um, that'll make me safer throughout this thing?
1: Well, I can tell you right now, it's not toilet paper because it's a respiratory infection. It's not Ebola. Your insides are not turning into molten lava and coming out your ass. So it is not Ebola, folks. You don't need toilet. (laughs) But see, here's the problem. This has become such a viral thing. It's that. Hey,
0: Steve, put back the toilet paper.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, but how many people in the store would have the cojones to say, dude, save the toilet paper for the rest of us too. quit hoarding this stuff? I mean, there's a difference between hoarding and there's a difference between preparing. I've seen people buying all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like, so you got the last 78 packets of Miss Swiss chocolate mix goody for you. What's that going to do? They feel like they have to do something, so they buy the stuff. Look, most of the staples. If people just step back and realize, I stocked
0: up on whiskey and beer.
1: I got a lot of brand new stout in my basement. Um, we have like eight, eight or nine new bottles of wine. So yeah, I'm with you, man. And we'll get through the zombie apocalypse together, one drink at a time. But it, you know, it, but it is having the basics right. If the world shut down for a week, what would you have to get you by with a week? You know, and sometimes you look at, do I have the right kind of water? Um, you know, do I have water? Do I have food? Do I have stuff that will that will last longer than a week? Stuff that's in your refrigerator, if you don't have something that it can go into or, you know, it's like losing the power to your house. If the power in your house goes out because of a storm, what do you have to deal with when the food goes bad, right? So canned foods, things like that. There's some basic stuff people used to say, you're a nut if you're a prepper. And I turn it back around the other way. If you over prep, in other words, if you're doing it because you believe the world's going to come to an end that's a state of mind. The state of mind, I would say is, look, it's just, it's, if you're going to go on a trip, Christopher, and you're going to drive across the US, do you simply just go out and hop in your car and just stay driving and say, you know, screw it. You know, I'll figure it out as I go along. Now you do a little bit of planning and packing. I need clothes. Okay. I need to start off with a full tank of gas. I'm going to get my car serviced. You plan for a long trip. You plan for a long haul. So what's your plan for the long haul? Is it simply just to wing it or is it simply just to say, well, but the thing you can't change is somebody else's mind. You can't tell somebody, put that toilet paper back because you don't need it. They believe they need it. Their perception is their reality.
0: And so here's sort of my mind. And uh, you tell me, on one hand, I think it's wise to have some inventory of some stuff. Yep. A couple of weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. Whatever makes you comfortable, uh, you know, so that you've got enough food to last for some period of time for every individual in your household. That seems wise to me. And it also seems to me and look, you can say whatever you want about the current administration and whatever, whatever, Uh, love them, hate them, whatever, wherever they are in the polls, whatever it is. But here's the bottom line. I believe in the United States. I believe that we have extraordinary resources here. I think many other countries do as well. So I'm not being uh, differentiating in that sense. I think there are many countries that are very well led that have strong militaries that have strong commerce and economies and tremendous resources. And so uh, what I'm building to here is there's a big part of me that says, look, we may have supply chain problems and those problems might get a uh, uh, you know, spooky feeling, but We have the ability to support ourselves at scale through the use of uh, commerce, through the use of the military and so forth, and we are going to come together. And so I guess my point is, I'm not worried about a total collapse Mm -mm. of our ability to feed and care for ourselves, um, because I think we can rise to this challenge. But am I being naive in thinking that?
1: No, no, no. I'm with you. And like I said, the the thing is, I haven't reacted to the panic. You know, we went out shopping the other day. We picked up some essentials, some basics. And it was still available. Right. I I tell people, look, this is we have a complex supply chain, but it is but it is one that has made it through 9-11, through Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, name it through all these natural disasters. Now, this is one affecting the entire nation. So now we're doing a real life stress test. You know, can this handle it? Yeah. You know, And here's the thing. It can handle it. Here's it reminds me. You ever been on the freeway? And you notice all these people, they want, to file, they want to follow bumper to bumper, and then you get this congestion because they're so close together that if they simply just spaced out and went, you know, everybody takes a turn, the traffic would move easily. Everybody would get where they're going. The reason we've got these bottlenecks in some of the supply chains is because people are buying more today than they buy over Christmas. In fact, that's one of the stats I heard. There's been five times the amount of stuff being bought than it was during Thanksgiving or Christmas when people normally do this. If people would just buy at regular scale, at regular pace, you wouldn't even notice a hiccup in the supply chain. Stuff would still get here. And look, if you run out of a couple things, ah, eh, you run out of a couple things, right? Who, how many people died simply because they couldn't get their favorite you know, brand of coffee? You know, there's still coffee there. Who couldn't, you know, you didn't get your, oh, well, I wanted wheat bread. Well, guess what, Skippy, we only got sourdough. Can you think you might, it's a first world problem. You think you might- I
0: prefer sourdough anyway, Morgan.
1: I prefer sourdough too, you know, but rye, you know, it doesn't (laughs) matter, grab.
0: (laughs) But whatever you like, yeah, no, of course. Space it out. so hopefully we can keep our heads about us. You know, the thing that is hard to project, of course, is if roughly half the country is going to get this thing, as some people have projected- it's going to cause problems in the life chain, the supply chain. But yep. I, I, look, I believe in our ability to come together and, and stick handle through this thing uh, as, as tough as it might get. I, I believe in us. And I think I understand hoarding. We have we have stuff here so that if this goes if we can't get to a grocery store for several weeks, we're going to be just fine. But to your point, we didn't stockpile two years worth of shit.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to go live in the mountains, you know, that's one thing. But uh, I think it kind of goes back to your point, though. Um, It's all about a mindset. You know, it's like we will get through this. We have the supply chains. We have the supplies. We have we have one of the best economies in the world. It's tanking in some areas. Okay. it, that is gonna happen. People, keep calm and carry on. Go about life as it is today. You can't, don't worry about yesterday. You can't You can't do anything about tomorrow. Expect nothing, accept everything. Accept it for what it is right now. And I wish I could change the mindset of some people and say, look, you, don't, you can't tell them they don't have to do this. They will only learn through experience. You don't need to stock up on 10,000 things. I'm like you. I'm not worried about going to my store and saying, oh, there's no milk or there's no bread. Uh, You know, It'll be there. And guess what? All of this initial surge that has got there and all these people who thought they had to stockpile stuff, guess what? When I go back to the store now and we will go back to the store again, there'll be a lot of fresh stuff for me. Why? Because the supply chain will continue to come in. People will continue to be fed. There will be power. There will be water. But to your point on healthcare uh, and the services, Again, it goes back to listening to the experts, listening to the people from the Centers for Disease Control, National Institutes of Health. They've looked at the data now. It's all about the data. You know, you've got to follow this stuff with the data. So when you listen to the data, even looking at the lessons that came out of China and Wuhan, when they looked at it, less than 1% of the people were getting infected. And out of those 1%, a vast majority of people are recovering. Will there be deaths? yes. But like they said, there's right now about a 99% recovery rate on everybody who's recovered so far. Will there be an impact? Yes. So what what, what do people have to do to modify their behavior? Stay, stay away from people. Stay in your homes. Don't get tested unless you really think you actually have the symptoms. I actually, uh, one of the people's in my Peloton group, they were skiing over in Italy. They didn't realize they were in the hot zone until they came back. She wrote a very long Facebook post. Her husband was in ICU, just got out of it she tested negative but they think it was a false negative she had all the same symptoms folks but even older people are recovering from this now they're more affected but listen to the experts listen to the data the data does not does not succumb to hype you know and stuff it is what it is listen to the numbers listen to the facts put it into context get your stuff from authoritative sources but i think we'll get through this healthcare because i'll tell you the other thing you talked about being one of the greatest nations on earth the president, doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, the president, the Defense Production Act, I think it's called, he can now empower, if he chooses to, the, you can now use the power of the federal government to direct private sector companies to produce things. He hasn't had to do that yet because 3M and Honeywell and all these other folks, they were already making all of these, what they call the N95 masks. They're mass. doing it. They're doing it. They're doing 35 freaking million masks a month. How many more do you need? No, and the
0: auto manufacturers are trying to figure out how they can help by retooling yeah. their assembly lines. Um, we will do this. Probably by the time this podcast drops, a lot more of that will have happened. I Look, I have a hard time believing there's any CEO of any major corporation in the United States and in, in, in the civilized world, for that matter, who, if called by their country, would say no. I mean, come on. I think that's very, very powerful, and I think, frankly, it's inspiring. And you know, the other thing I, I also just wanted to share with you: we were all so deeply inspired at 9/11 by the first responders, the firefighters, um, of course, the police officers, and um, and the healthcare workers who responded in that moment and in those days afterwards. And I am in awe of our healthcare. Uh, workers. There are healthcare heroes. Yep. Uh, I used to work in a hospital and I know there are there are clerks in hospitals who are working hard right now. And there are orderlies and the uh, housekeeping department. I did some time in housekeeping. I slapped a mop around a hospital once in my life and, and the housekeeping departments and all of these people, these unsung heroes who are busting their their behinds in the face of physical danger for themselves, to support all of us. And I find that incredibly inspiring.
1: I will tell you, you're right, after 9-11, so many people pitched in, but this is one time, and now there are people that are heroes that if you ran into them on the street, they would be the biggest nerds you ever seen, but these are the top immunologists, the top virologists, the top um, bioengineers, the top, you know, um, people in medicine that, have always been in the background. They've sat behind, they've been in, I'll tell you who I give a lot of credit to is a lot of the folks in the FDA and the government going, guess what? We're taking the, we're not, it's not so much that we're taking the brakes off, but we're removing a bunch of barriers. You still want stuff to be safe, but the fact that they're able to get stuff approved in 24 hours, the fact, here's what, here's what inspires me to think about this. Imagine and we are going to get through this. Imagine how much fucking better life is going to be when we're through this and we've eliminated all of this bureaucracy and this red tape and this bullshit. And we've unleashed the power of technology and invention and thinking about problems differently. And now we brought it to bear because guess what, folks, we had to. We've got no other choice. We have to solve this. We have to figure it out. And to your point, all of these people, if, and I will tell you this, and I will be very vindictive about this, and if you call it petty, call it petty. I'm keeping a list of the people who chose to profit off of this as opposed to pony up and help the American people, uh, help everybody else get through this. If you're one of those people that are sitting on the sidelines and letting everybody else take it, I'm I'm making a list. I will never patronize you again. I will never buy your stuff I'm only going to patronize the people who are sacrificing like everybody else is. And, and, you know, the nurse today, the doctor today, those are the ones that I'm going to go see. Not the person who's sitting back there, not the person you got the email from that goes, hey, here's how you make money off of COVID-19 by marketing to people's fears. Dude, you're dead to me. People like you, you're dead to me.
0: There's so many unsung heroes, you know, um, our vet. Is still open and they've set up pr- special procedures for dropping your pets off and picking them back up and so forth.
1: Think about truck drivers, Christopher, the 18, the people driving the 18 wheelers, the truck tractors. that these folks have to work. They're getting special waivers, I think, from uh, uh, the Federal Corporation Commission, which uh, and the ICC, the Interstate Corporation Commission, sorry, which regulates truck driving rules, the number of hours you can drive. We've got to have more truckers on the road because that is our supply chain.
0: Our retail workers, the the, yeah. the gals and guys uh, that are still there dealing with customers. I mean, holy fuck.
1: I just went and bought two pies from my favorite place out here, Mom's Apple Pie in Leesburg, Virginia. If you guys are out, if you're hearing my voice and you're in the Loudoun County area, it goes to Mom's Apple Pie. But guess what? Not only that, but guess what? Like we say, the truck drivers, I will tell you, I, I hastened to give Credit to Jeff Bezos, but when it's warranted, it's warranted. Even Amazon has started saying they're going to prioritize staples of life—you know, things that are important for people to do their daily life. If you need a pen or a—you a, know—a printer, jet, ref, inkjet refill, that's not going to get prioritized. Even to the point of raising their wages, which is something they should have done anyway. And they hire—they're hiring hundred thousand people. people. And guess what? They're holy fuck—they're cracking down on people like those two idiots who bought eighteen thousand. Bottles of hand sanitizer, and we're going to yes, try and- Yes, ge- and,
0: and eBay, too. God bless them, you know, Amazon and eBay saying, NFW, yeah. not here, not on our platform. You know,
1: there's a great, um, there is a great there's a great show, a British show, uh, that I got through watching it was on PBS. It was called Foyle's War. It was about uh, Detective Chief Inspector Foil uh, and was in a London town during World War II. And uh, you know what I'm reminded of? During World War II, the British and a lot of other people- you, it was the death. It was a hanging offense and a, a firing squad offense for profiteering and stealing from people. They, in times of war, they used to shoot people for doing the same thing these folks are doing now. Just a thought, just an idea. I'm not advocating anybody do that. <laughs> All I'm giving is a historical corollary. A little extreme, there, uh, <laughs> officer. <laughs>
0: All right. Anything else you'd like to touch on before we kick out, Morgan?
1: No, look. I seriously uh, look. You do a great service too, because. You cut through the bullshit. You get people talking about real stuff. And like you said, who thought that a long-form podcast could succeed? I think this is why it's so important not to have a formulaic BS approach of where it's the same thing you hear. the same, It's the same flavor, just a different, you know, same thing, just a different flavor each time. This is where stuff gets real. This is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, and again, just goes back to keep calm and carry on, folks. We will get through this. Will it be happy? Will it be pretty? Will there be some people um, who die? Yes, there, people always die people die from accidents. People die from suicide. People die from crime. People will die because of this. But what can I, what goes back to me, Uh, as much as it pains me, I'm a social guy. I'm like you. I want to be out doing stuff. I want to be places. No, I'm going to do my part. No matter what happens, I'm going to do my part, my little part that I can. I'm going to keep calm. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to patronize my local businesses. I'm going to spend money you know, as much as I can with everybody I can, because when we're out of this and we will be, I want this, these people, I want them with me when we come out the other side of this uh, you know, abyss right now. I want those small businesses. The big corporations not, I'm not worried about, they're gonna survive this, but it is your mom and pops, your, your small car dealers, the people who work on your cars, the people who sell, like you say, in the retail, the people with their entire livelihood cannot survive a one month of being out of business like this. So folks go out, spend some money, If you can, if you've got the means to do it, over tip, over share, just, you know, go out and do your part. We'll get through this. And when we do, we'll have a follow up in six months and we'll talk about either how right we were and we predicted everything or about how far off we were and we'll figure out why.
0: Morgan, bless you, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, in so many ways. And uh, I know we'll keep talking and uh, thanks for helping uh, me and many others stay safe.
1: Little farm boy, just remember, keep calm and carry on. Spread the word, not the virus.
0: Thank you, brother. Well, there he is, the legendary Morgan Wright. And um, make no mistake, we deeply appreciate you sharing this podcast with your friends and family. And uh, so if you know somebody who would appreciate this conversation, why not share it with them right now? All right. We would like to thank the legendary Morgan Wright. You can find him at M O R G A N w r i g h t dot u s that's morgan wright dot u s uh my second book with the amazing heather clancy niche down you can find it on amazon.com now's a good time to read niche down and figure out uh how you can become uh, d- legendary by being different <laughs> the good low the good folks at one life fully live dot o-r-g want to help you dream plan and live your best life and um this is a good time to work on your own self-development. So why not uh, check out the number one org, My friends at Spiro.ai, they're the sales app for salespeople and sales managers who like to make money. Learn how to put the power of AI to use in your sales initiatives at Spiro.ai. And hey, selling right now really matters, doesn't it? Speaking of things that matters, my friends at Positive Marketing, they do legendary marketing, PR, and category design in the excited kingdom uh, that is the UK. Why not check out positivemarketing.com. If you're a thought leader, you're a business leader, you're an author, you're a guru of some sort, my friends at interviewvalet.com will help you get on leading podcasts because Interview Valet is the leader in podcast interview marketing. That's interviewvalet.com and uh, my buddy ray wong his book disrupting digital business uh it's a classic for a reason check out disrupting digital business by ray wong my friends at otranet have been building b2b websites in silicon valley for over 20 years check out N E T and um, donorschoose.org help teachers make a difference in classrooms with students all around the country they need you more than ever visit donorschoose.org All right, I need to remind you that this oddcast is uh, only for people who value inspiring different conversations and it is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. But, uh, you know, we would love it if you shared the shit out of it. It is 100% free. Uh, We're never tested on GMOs and all rights do remain perturbed. Uh, I also want to let you know, unlike most podcasts with people talking, you will never hear an ad read in the middle of this podcast uh, because, as a listener, I can't stand it when, in the middle of a conversation, they break to do an ad. You'll never hear that on this podcast. All right, I must warn you that this, uh, the creators of this podcast might have been consuming libations. We are produced by podcast living legend Jason DeFilippo. Check out Grumpy Old Geeks, his podcast. Uh, Jamie J. and Sarah Knox for technical awesomeness, Lockhead.com, and so much more. I love you both, Jamie and Sarah. Show notes by Diane Gervasio. Uh, listen to Leonard Cohen. Support your local security guru keep calm and carry on the good news is uh getting in the passing lane is a lot easier right now because there's so few people on the road so those of us who like to uh, put the pedal to the metal maybe go for a uh, social distancing drive (laughs) thank you candy dandy uh love you mom and dad and um in the event of a four-hour erection call somebody who likes you our deepest apologies today go out to senator richard burr sorry dick we just ran out of time for you that's it my friends Please stay legendary, stay healthy, stay safe, and until we're together again, follow your different.